0: Philippians chapter one, Philippians chapter one, beginning at verse twelve. So, start with that. Mm -hmm. Reading through to the end of the chapter. Hear the word of the Lord. But I would, you should understand, brethren things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifested manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Many of the brethren, the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also goodwill one preached Christ in contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the Gospel. But then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretence or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and I will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, Yet what I shall choose, I ought not. Private and straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And Having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all, for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you you saw in me and now here to be in me. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful for this portion of your word, and we ask that you would bless it to our understanding uh, through the exposition of your holy word. And we do pray at this time, Lord, for the comfort of the Barclay family, and especially, Lord. Pastor Brent, Mark Waite, uh, that, Lord, they may take their solace in you. Lord, if their father, if his father was in the Lord all the more, that their comfort is in you and knowing that their beloved is in glory uh, with all of your people that are there ahead of us and with the angels around your glorious throne in worship and pure more perfect worship to our holy God. O oh, Lord, Nevertheless, do pray for those who are left behind for their continued maintenance uh, by your grace as Lord. uh, It isn't easy, it isn't easy, Lord. It is very, very difficult. And uh, if uh, one has gone through that uh, before, one knows uh, the challenge uh, that is of the loss of someone uh, that is deeply missed, like. O oh Lord, so we commit uh, His care to you, and that of the congregation as well, because as uh, as He and His family mourn, so they mourn as well. And also, as uh, we rejoice, as uh, Your servants rejoice, so Your people, even as we are, to learn about this message, in the name of Christ, our oh Lord. It's win-win to be a Christian. If there is such a thing as an ideal church, the church in Philippi was his. Of all the congregations that were started by the Apostle Paul, anywhere in of 20 congregations or locations, because sometimes, oftentimes, it speaks of the church in Rome, is speaking about multiple house churches churches that would meet in also larger buildings such as a synagogue. Such a church is very appreciative of the Apostles' efforts, even from behind walls. Like Ebenezer and Valle de Garasha congregations that uh, my uh, Marikara and I had the privilege of visiting and uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, to proclaim the word of God. To proclaim the work of the Lord and also to tell God the work in a faraway even you know, to most of, not all of those in that congregation. The one that I, I know has uh, been there before, Pastor Palma, could not mean their way to uh, his sick wife. Okay? You can tell such churches, especially by their giving, they give sacrificially. Like you said uh, about the uh, the churches of Macedonia and, uh, and, and 2 Corinthians 8 2. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. What in essence the apostle is saying is that, that though they were in Dire straits, in many respects, under persecution, especially. Yet they gave out of their deep poverty abundantly. That was not an issue with them. They they dug deep as it were. And Philippi stood out, as is said, for example, in Philippians 4.15, in our book of consideration. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the Gospel... When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but he only. And so even when they didn't have to, they did, this church, this particular congregation. It was one of small beginnings, as we noted already, among a few ladies that were at Riverside praying, like I know that there are some of you who meet weekly, Pray for this congregation. Lydia of Purple was the first convert, as you might recall from having studied this before, from Acts chapter 16, followed by Philippian Jailer and his family. And I might add also Lydia and her household uh, were affected, not converted to the gospel, by the gospel, to the gospel. They were joined by a few others their initial state, including a damsel who was freed from a spirit of divination. Paul, in Acts 16 18, says, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. And I contend that she became a born-again believer. Because our Lord is not going to do a half fast job, is he? It was written under hard circumstances, that is, this letter, letter to the Philippians, Paul was in prison, complete with the latest techniques of torture. And it can't get any harder than that, can it? He can't go with the gospel. That's his greatest burden. At least not while he's behind bars and shackles half the time, if not most of his waking hours. The church was small. Does that sound familiar? Remember what the scripture says in the minor prophets. Don't despise the day of small things. The church was in the midst of persecution, as we already noted in Philippians 1 15 through 17. We well, read this Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. Now, how could you do that? Well, I think we have an idea about how that can happen, um, especially about. If uh, ministers and preachers and church workers don't get along, as uh, I I hate to say it, but as I've I've witnessed it in the Philippines, as uh, we've been involved uh, from a very early time there in seeking to uh, come alongside and to help God's people to build solid reform congregations. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. In other words, they wanted to get back to the Apostle Paul that this is going on, that it might cause his heart. A lot of heart murmur, if you will. But the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. How, how thankful. I am for those who are supportive of the gospel going out. As we can, as we know, two sides, and both happen to be proclaiming the true gospel. May I, may I say, the detractors see God is chastising the Apostle Paul for some sin in his life. That's why he's behind bars. But no, Paul would would. Uh, tallying back, I'm here because of the gospel. Notice in verse 13, his reference to my bonds in Christ, even as Christ was himself subject to the same. You can tell he had a win-win attitude, can't you? It didn't matter what others thought of Paul, what others said against Paul, what others even did to Paul bottom line the bottom line so long as Christ was preached and really it comes right down to that is the gospel being faithfully witnessed is the gospel being faithfully proclaimed and is the gospel being is Christ being faithfully preached As it says in verse eighteen, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. The fact is, however, it gets out. So long as it gets out, even if it doesn't have a good testimony to come in, because God can use that, in spite of you. for me. Notice uh, where it says in verse seventeen but the other, of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Set has the meaning of appointed. God appointed. Not just that Paul was, was digging his heels in and he was set to defend the fort of Christ's church, as it were. No. Also with the sense of the Lord putting him there like a soldier on his watch. You know, if you're in the military and you're on watch, like my dad who was in the Navy and he had his uh, uh, duty, as we would call it, and he'd be gone all night. He was awake the whole time. At least that's what he's supposed to be. The <laughs> apostle Paul, so Paul is saying, like a soldier that is awake on at his post. That's what he sought to do. And so Paul maximized the opportunities that were his behind bars. He couldn't go to his audience, but they could come to him. And oh, I tell you, he didn't have internet to advertise. Oh, by the way, Apostle Paul, here at the Praetorium, or here at the uh, Royal Palace of the Caesar of Rome, come. uh, We have a room set aside, which happens to be where I'm in prison, but yes, you can come and hear the word. No, they just came. The Holy Spirit works in us to bring us to There's a saying, two prisoners looked, looked through bars. One saw mud, and the other saw stars. Guess who saw the stars? The saints of Philippi were not down, they were up. Could a major reason for this be because the apostle Paul was not down, but then he was. Said in verses 3 through 5, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I'm sure he had time to recall and to remember his uh, times of fellowship, his times of worship, his times of service to the people of Philippi and how, how special they were, how they stood out in his, uh, in his ministry. Not only because it was the first church planted in Europe. Not only because he was called by the Spirit of God to a man of Macedonia beckoning him to come and help them, and, and how God Himself appointed him to go there, but because of His love for them. Because of His love for them that led to every prayer of His for them all, as He goes on to say. For your fellowship with the gospel from the first day until now, I'm still reveling in it. I'm still relishing it in, in my memory lane, memory bank. And why? Is it because Paul just happens to be this upbeat kind of fellow, you know, with a positive personality? Uh, judging by his background, I think he might not be that the other other way around uh, in terms of his upbringing uh, person and his uh, training, such as his training um, as a lawyer, such as his training as a Pharisee. Was he one of those motivational type speakers who just happened to have this gift of moving people to come into the church or to have large numbers coming to the church? And I'm not against people having those gifts, mind you, but was this the Apostle Paul my question? According to Philippians 1.6, it was not about the Apostle Paul. He wanted to get that straight from the get go. It was not about him. It was not about me, if you were here talk, talking to us, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Being confident of this very thing that he, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it unto the day. Paul was confident because here is a word of God. And that's it. And not all churches are necessarily about that. The book of Philippians is a spiritual love letter to the church. As you can sense already, just from what has already been said. With bursts of warm affection, joy, and praise to God, it's just all throughout this book. Like, for example, in chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, imagine the saying this from prison, hundreds of miles away, to a congregation that's going through its own trials and tribulations, and himself not being in any position to be sent there. In fact, every reason to believe that he'll never go there and he has his confidence in God, in the sovereign God, to bring him there as he expresses towards the end of his letter. How that I, I plan to be there by the grace of God. And 4.10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, I'm sorry, really, that, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last the care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful lack the opportunity. They wanted to continue to support him. If money was the issue, if money was the reason, he was not able to come. Assuming, of course, that God would work in in Caesar's heart, like he worked in Pharaoh's heart once upon a time and letting the people of God escape Egypt, that money was the issue. Well, Apostle Paul, just like before, don't think anything about that will provide for him. Later on, of course, they sought to bring that assistance to to him as we will know it time, in, uh, in the ministry of Aphrodite. And why does he rejoice again, Because ultimately the book of Philippians is not just a love letter by the Apostle Paul to the Philippians, but a love letter of Jesus. To say it's not only there, but, but even since that time, and, and not only there, but many other places in which the Lord Jesus Christ is faithfully named, and through it the Lord pours out His love, such as in the uh, second verse, in what's often called the salutation: "Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ." If Christians are bearing spiritual fruit in their lives at all, it is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Philippians verse 1, verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. If Christians are living for Christ, it is because of Jesus' gospel. Verse 27, Only let your conversation, that's another old Middle English word for lifestyle, let your lifestyle be as becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, like in this case, I may hear of your affairs. His desire is to hear a good report. His desire is to have good news. This is the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. He, there's no greater joy than to see that His children are walking in truth and in love together and that are speaking to each other, exhorting one another is today, lest taking heart through the deceitfulness of sin, speaking the truth in love, speaking it with concern for one another, bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. Is this your lifestyle? And, it, and if it is, is it becoming like the very gospel that you preach? That's the challenge for us all. You have a clear understanding of the gospel. You take the time to learn the gospel, so that you can tell someone who is wondering, or maybe perhaps beseeching you, before that, let's say he is on his deathbed or she is uh, dying, and 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 you're the only one in sight, and and and. and everything depends upon you being able to point them in the right direction? Are you, are you with such an understanding of the faith of the gospel, as it calls it here? I call that the reform faith, by the way, and many others do. There's something about that, and it's not because we're trying to be different from other people. It's not that we're trying to be superior to anybody else. That's not it at all. In fact, if anything, we are taking the lowest place. In fact, we're, we're taking the lowest place at the foot of the cross, at the foot of the Lord, the triune God of Scripture, at the foot of our brethren. Because what did Jesus do, after all, is we're going to learn in the next chapter. Did he not humble himself? Did he not become a base God who became a man took on the form of humanity? God who was the king who became a slave. And he calls upon us to to be like him, to be his humble servants. And so what more honorable place can there be than that? And the reform faith, I believe, hits right on the head. It, it, it really speaks directly to this very, very issue of God's sovereignty and man's utter abasiveness. Do you recognize that this is precisely because the preaching from behind this pulpit and are you willing to guard it? Not just the elders of the church, but you yourself, speaking to uh, the pastor or this, or this speaker, such as last week we had a guest speaker. Um, if, if you had any questions, being like the Bereans, who were also, by the way, uh, part of northern Greece, which is Macedonia, which is Europe today, being Berean-like, and you uh, being a, a ready mind, being a studious mind, being a worker that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, and also. Uh, Searching the scriptures daily whether these things are so. Are you content with just hearing the the preaching and letting it go? Or are are you holding me accountable before God because this is to your soul? And heaven and earth, heaven and hell hang in the balance. So are you committed to this gospel? Are you willing to live for it? Be ready to die for it. As Paul says in verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. By the way, to die is gain would still be a win-win proposition. You know why? Because as C. Scholes put it, he said, quote, that is not some mystical attempt to escape the world, but it is a strong desire for perfect fellowship undisturbed by sin. Can you imagine an answer like that? That's a a wonderful answer. (laughs) Or just distractions. They may not be sin, but they may be like little birds that that like the the light upon your branches and distract you, you know, and take your uh, mind away from from Christ. If these things live in us, meaning these good things, the strong desire for perfect fellowship undisturbed by sin, that we may believe we know Him. Don't allow yourself any slack in thinking that you are a Christian simply because you're attending church and maybe even doing other things that, that, that Christians do without that inward desire, that desire that just compels you to fall down and worship upon your knees to Jesus Christ every day, that He gives you breath. And making every breath praise the Lord. Die is gained when you can focus everything on glorifying Him and enjoying Him forever. That's Westminster Shorter Catechism question number one. And I'm speaking literally. But if you live, let it be for the express purpose of bringing others to the Lord and building up others in the Lord that they may in turn live. For the Lord. It may cost you. It says that it is not only given for us to believe on Christ. Meaning it's a gift. It is also a gift that along with the gift of belief will come suffering. It will be through much tribulation that we will enter into the kingdom, says Luke. And by the way, Luke later would be left behind in his church. The Apostle Paul established it. He was the one who Took care of it until it was on its feet. Luke, a young man also liked Timothy. Very early on in the second missionary journey the Apostle Paul. It may cost you. But let me add one important provision You won't be alone. You'll never alone. He says, I will be with you. He said that when he said. Go ye therefore and disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you, always, even to the end of the world. You won't be alone. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. This grace that brought me safe as far, well, that grace will lead me. So is it worth it? That's really a good question is it not? Is it worth it? I think that's a question that some people should have been asked along with will you believe on Christ? And and, and for whatever reason we're not and later on regretted regretted having believed on Christ. I had one who was used to lead me to Christ, the very first one from my high school days. We were already in college and he, and he led me to Christ. And later, a year later, after I came to San Diego and began to follow Christ back in 1972, I didn't hear from him. And I wanted to know how he was doing. And I contacted him. And he said he was ashamed to call me because he said, I've, I've denounced the faith. I'm no longer a Christian. And I, and I didn't want to discourage him. Count the costs. In conclusion, again, the Apostle Paul, verse 21 said, for me to live is Christ. He didn't say for me to live for Christ, but he said to live is Christ. Is he the reason why you are a Christian? Not just what he did, not just, as the, uh, Spurgeon says, uh, not just for what he did for you and for me. Not just for his work, but for himself. His person first, and then his work second. As he said, that is Charles Spurgeon. And he always has a way of putting things uh, that really rings in the soul. It is true that he gave us life in the day. He gave us pardon sin. He gave us imputed righteousness. These are all precious things. But we are not content with them. We have received Christ Himself. The Son of God has been poured into us, and we have received Him and appropriated Him. What a heartful Jesus must be, meaning heartful to you and to me who have Him. For heaven itself cannot contain him. And yet he dwells in us, Christ is the hope of glory. Said the Apostle Paul elsewhere. Is it a win-win thing to be a Christian? I can tell you, yea, amen, to the glory of God by us. How much you shall pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful your Son. We are so thankful for Him who loved us and gave Himself for us. And His giving Himself for us on the cross was because of His love for us. For His love that is poured into us by the Holy Spirit who has given unto us the very presence of the Father and of the Son within our very beings, within our very bodies is the reason why we are who we are. And not just simply some academic understanding, objective knowledge of of the Gospel. But the gospel live the Christ living. For to me to live is Christ, O oh Lord. May that ring true in our hearts and minds more and more even unto the perfect